0: Good morning! It's good to see all of you. Let us just begin here this morning with a word of prayer. Our gracious and good God, we give thanks today that you are our hope and that we have nothing to fear as we fear you and as we hope in you. Lord, we pray that you would meet with us here this morning that we might have a greater understanding of who you are. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we raise our families. Lord, help us as we consider the world in which we live. Help us as we understand the world and how to interact with it. Lord, I pray that you will now in this hour be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to take a break from our study of 2 Kings and Second Chronicles and talk about a different topic. But in anticipation of coming back to 2 Kings, we are moving into the very last part of 2 Kings. The northern kingdom of Israel has fallen, and so now we have a new era where it's just the southern kingdom, beginning there with Hezekiah. And so I have the last part to the harmony. So we've been publishing different harmonies that show and parallel 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles and other passages. Well, here it is, the last one. And uh, right now, there are only three copies in the world, but I'm going to make more. But I need to know how many to make. So I have here a sign-up sheet, and if you can go down through here and put your family name and how many copies you would like for your family, that will help me to know how many to make without making too many or too few. So I will pass this around as we continue in our lesson, and please take the time to write your family name and then how many you want, and I'll pass the with a first sample along with it so you can see it. This is the last one, and if you've had harmonies before, you've never had this one. Uh, many, many years ago, we had an early edition where it was like eight different parts, and now now all in one little booklet. So if you have those things from 10 years ago, um, all those little booklets and little snippets of when we put it together in the beginning, now it's all put together in one book. So this is the last one of the harmonies. Well, as I said, we're going to take a break from our study in Second Kings to talk about something else this morning. And you might be wondering, well, what are we going to talk about? Well, it's, it's Christmas week, And so uh, we have to get in the mode. Be nice and festive, right? Oh, yes, something else here. Help this out here. This is the stocking that my grandma made for me. And every year until she died, it was underneath her Christmas tree. And on Christmas Day, it had goodies in it. So if anybody wants to put any gold coins in here, I'll leave it right here for you. And you can (laughs) slip some gold coins in there. See, it's got my name and all. Well, today, we're going to learn a little bit of culture, we're going to learn a little bit of history, and we're going to learn some truths from God's Word. And um, I, can, I can just see it, though, right now. Um little, little warning, little heads up. Um, I, I, I saw this headline once, and I can just see it substituted with my name in there. Mother horrified that pastor spoils Christmas and ruins everything. Can you believe this is a real news story? Well, it actually is quite an interesting news story. Um, back in 2019, somebody was going down through a Walmart and was putting gospel tracks that looked like this into toy boxes, slipping them in the cracks. Um, and at first glance, it's like, oh, that's a great idea, because it had this on the front, <laughs> and then on the back it had the gospel. Um, but um, first of all, it wasn't their store to be able to do that, so I don't suggest this idea, but you see the, you see the headline there. Um, just a heads up, somebody might say, oh, no, the pastor ruined Christmas and spoiled Christmas. Well, I hope this morning that I don't spoil Christmas, but I do hope that we can learn something um, about Christmas, and, and we're going to learn some things about, about, about Santa Claus. But you all probably thinking, oh, no, this is Pastor Stephen. He's wearing the wrong hat. He should be wearing the bah humbug hat. <laughs> right? No, I'm not bah humbug. I, I enjoy Christmas very, very, very much. And I enjoy lots of the traditions around it. But I do think that we need to consider some of the traditions about Christmas and what it all means and how we practice them in our homes and what we can learn about them. See, I even have, you got to check this out. You all think I'm bah humbug. See my little Santa Claus here? He's really a cool little Santa Claus, but you know he doesn't work. He needs some photons to work, so I'm going to give him some photons. Check this out. Yes, he likes that. My little Santa Claus. So am I bah humbug? Well, this morning we're going to learn a little bit again I said of culture and of history and of some things the Bible says. But um, I need to put my cheery hat back on because I'm not a bah humbug no matter what you all think. So that's, that's, not, that's not us. I said, we're going to learn a little history. Well, we need to learn a little history. We think about Santa Claus today, and um, what, what is the caricature of Santa Claus, um, did you know, is based in reality. There's some reality. There's some history behind the caricature of Santa Claus. Um, the resemblances are quite different, And you might say, I don't see any similarity, and I, too, struggle seeing some similarity between the historical character and the modern-day caricature. But we do have to acknowledge that there's a little bit of a history there. And it comes back back into the 300s A.D., so just 300 years after Jesus lived on this earth, there was a pastor here in this part of the world, Asia Minor, who was named Nicholas. And Nicholas was a pastor in this region. Now, this very town and city that he lived in was a city that you might know. It was a town that the Apostle Paul actually had stopped in and proclaimed the gospel in this city. And time has gone by, and there is this man named Nicholas. Now, I'm going to give you a heads up and let you know. This is 300 A.D., And there are a lot of details that are fuzzy about this guy. And it's really hard, really hard, to say anything super authoritative about Nicholas. Part of the reason for this is because things that are written about him weren't written for another 200 years. And so a lot of the history about him and the legends of him had passed from time to time, and they were oral traditions. And then finally, some people decided to write them down. Well, you ever play the telephone game? You ever play the telephone game? Well, what happens if the telephone game goes along? It changes. The story changes. And that's kind of what happened with the history of Nicholas, and little pieces of details um, were were interesting, but they could be more interesting, so people told them more interesting. And that's what, fictitiously interesting. And then more interesting, and more interesting, and more interesting, until now you can go back and you'll find stories about St. Nicholas that are just extremely, uh, just incredible, And so it's very hard to know what is historical fact and what is legend or myth, which has reached its ultimate climax, I think, here in this modern time, as we have Santa Claus living at the North Pole. I mean, it's really gotten telephone game into extremes. And um, even though way back in, in in the 500s A.D., that had already started to happen with the real historical person. It is believed that he really did exist. And there are some things that we believe did actually happen. Um, but a lot of it is legend and myth and is not necessarily true. I have a little book that acknowledges and admits that there's a that it has fiction in it, but it tries to summarize the real story of Saint Nicholas. And uh, it's, it's an interesting book, and it's an interesting story, as it summarizes one of the events that is believed to be true regarding St. Nicholas. And by the way, St. Nicholas, we use the word saint. You, you do know, I know a lot of saints. And a saint isn't somebody who, who is dead, and then um, some people get together in high-ranking positions of the church and declare them as saints. In fact, I'm a saint. You could be a saint. In fact, I know many of you are saints. A saint is someone who is a Christian. Now, Nicholas, um, I'll just give you a heads up, everybody liked to adopt Nicholas. And so, you know, one prominent group are the Roman Catholics who like to claim Nicholas. But what's interesting is that the Roman Catholic Church hadn't yet been invented um, at the time that St. Nicholas lived. Um, in fact... We're going to learn a little bit. We do know that he lived during a time of great persecution. And Nicholas lived during a time right in the midst of great persecution. And then you all remember the name um, Constantine? Constantine? Constantine became the emperor of Rome, and he converted to Christianity. And um, when he did so, he whether or not he was truly born again, we can't say for certain, but we do know that he brought about peace to Christians throughout the world. One of them was this man here, Nicholas. Nicholas lived during that time of immense persecution. Um, There are some records that he suffered greatly under that persecution, but that when Constantine came to power and declared Christianity to be legal, in fact, not only legal, but declared it to be the state religion, the empire religion, which was a whole other problem we'll talk about another time, um, then there was peace. And so St. Nicholas had persecution in his life, and he also had peace. It is believed that he came from a wealthy family, a very wealthy family, and, um, and that his parents also were Christians. And he became the pastor in this little port town there on the Mediterranean Sea. And one of the most famous stories about him is about three girls in his town, three girls who were very, very poor. Now, nowadays, we don't understand a lot about dowries and how they work and all the significance of them, but in this day, these poor girls needed a dowry, but they didn't have one. Their father didn't have anything for them. And there was a risk of these girls being sold into slavery. And the legend is is that this troubled Nicholas very much. It troubled him. And so as he was praying about it, an idea came to him that he would be the secret anonymous deliverer of gifts. And so that night, he went through the streets of that city, and he found that girl's, those three girls' home, and he slipped into them three bags of gold and slipped away. Now, the legends come back in different ways. Some think that it happened over three nights. Some think, think it happened over a period of three or four years, um, one bag apiece, and we we don't know. But the the, the legend is, is that he helped these girls with their dowry using of his personal wealth and bringing this about so that when these girls found these gold coins. They were saved from that life of slavery and being sold into slaves. And there's the gist of it, of the main legend of Saint Nicholas. How much of it is true? We don't know. We do know that he existed, and it's very likely that there are elements of truth to it, and they've just been exaggerated. And so this is the historical character. And throughout history, he's become to be known as one who is a symbol of gift-giving, kind of like the wise men, the magi, of gift-giving, and particularly those gifts that are anonymous, gifts that are secret where you don't know where they came from or who they came from. And so... When we think back and we think of our modern-day Santa Claus, some of us love it, and we celebrate Santa Claus, and we, you know, celebrate him like this guy here, as cheerful as him. Um, And sometimes it's that way. Um, And sometimes people have nothing to do with Santa Claus for one reason or another. But, you know, I think it's important for us to understand the modern cultural phenomenon of Santa Claus, but also not to forget where the legend began where the myth began, where the fairy tale, what it's based upon. And it's based upon a pastor who was one who was into giving gifts anonymously, secretly, without any credit due to himself. And I think that's a good thing to celebrate. I think that's a good model to follow, is to follow St. Nicholas and to be the, the Santa Claus today of Generous gift-giving, where the credit doesn't always have to be ours, but can be totally anonymous. So here's the history. Way back, there's elements of truth. Legends began from early, early, and now it's morphed into, oh, my Santa Claus. Well, in certain parts of the world, you know, some of the legends in America have to do with the stocking, you know, putting the stocking by the fireplace. Um, but the thought is and some of the legends is that when he threw those gold coins into those girls' houses that they fell into their shoes. And so in some cultures, particularly Dutch cultures, they don't put stockings out. they put their shoes by their door. and then the parents come along that night and they put little chocolate gold candies in their shoes. Doesn't sound very sanitary to me, but um, you know that's 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 one way of one way of celebrating um, this thing. Here is a character of of how the Dutch, the Dutch really have been for a long time fascinated with St. Nicholas and have created their own version and stories and legends about him. And the American version has morphed into and developed as well. And now we have the modern day Santa Claus. And there's so much about Santa Claus. There's so much commercialization. And you perhaps all have heard the, the bedtime, nighttime poem, um, nursery rhyme of the night before Christmas. I have the classic edition here of The Night Before Christmas. It talks about Santa Claus. And it's a fun story, right? Is it true? (laughs) I'm going to get deadlines. Pastor ruins Christmas. No, it's not true. We're going to talk about that. I think it's important for us to point that out. There's nothing wrong with the story as long as we're truthful about it. We're going to come back and talk about that though but what's interesting about, about Santa Claus is that there's all kinds of music that's been written about Santa Claus. Oh again, lest you think I'm Ba humbug, this is a picture I took of my fireplace this morning so you know I've got the stockings hanging bright on my fireplace so I'm not the Ba humbug. But what do we do with all of this? And, you know, Santa Claus is developed into a myth. And much of the myth about Santa Claus is in Christmas songs, right? And we learn about who Santa Claus is from Christmas songs. And uh, here is a very famous one. You all know this one. Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not pout. Santa Claus is coming to town. Well, this is an interesting song this tells us about who santa claus is i have a little handout i'd like to share with you that was put together uh, by a pastor out east and it talks about well the god of christmas well the god of christmas he's omniscient isn't he he's omnipotent he's omnipresent he's faithful he's eternal right Well, if you actually critique... Christopher, Elijah, could you guys pass these out? Critique the theology of Santa Claus in this song, Mm. you'll find out that Santa Claus... Oh, Elijah, could you give me one of those? I gave you mine. You'll find out that Santa Claus is omniscient. He knows... See, omniscient means all knowing. He knows if you've been bad or good, even more than your parents do. So you better watch out. He knows he's all knowing, he's omnipotent. I right, come on. We talk about how Santa could deliver all the gifts in one night worldwide, every chimney. It's scientifically impossible. But Santa can do it. Why? Because he's all powerful, right? he's omnipresent. That must be how he's able to do it. He's everywhere at the same time, both to be able to see if you're good or bad and to see whether or not, and to know whether or not you're good or to even be able to deliver all of those Christmas presents. And there's a few other things here, but this morning I don't want to preach about Santa Claus. But here is one caution I give to you and why I want to share this paper with you. Is that... As much as we love the traditions and the stories, the culture, the legend of Santa Claus, and you may have your stockings at your house too, I think it's important how we t- treat Santa Claus. Here is why children are very much absorbing information. And let me be hypothetical for you for a few moments. And you may not agree with me, but hear me out. Don't close the up because I'm, I'm stepping on one of your favorites, favorite traditions or whatnot. Children are learning. And when we teach them about Santa Claus in this godlike structure, godlike perspective, like you know, this song presents him as. And time goes by and we treat it as fact, and then at the same time. We're teaching them about the baby Jesus who is also eternal, who is also omniscient, who also is omnipotent, omnipresent, faithful, true, eternal. And we yet teach one as fact and we teach another as fact. And oh, we become very much about believe. I, I have a I have this Christmas card here I, I got in the mail. And um and and what does it say? Believe. Well, what's being implied? Believe the Santa Claus is real and true. So much of the legend of Santa Claus has become in modern time about believing. Now that troubles me because the whole message of the Christmas history relating to the true God of Christmas comes back also to believe. Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's why this troubles me. It troubles me. I, 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 I'm wearing my Santa hat. I, I, I've got my stocking, you know. I, I like the story, the legend of, of, of Santa Claus to a degree. Um, but yet, I, I, I like it because I treat it as a legend. I treat it as just, just a story, as a fanciful thing. And we even treat it, and we have a little Santa hat in our house, and we joke about being the Santas. Who's going to be Santa? Santa. And sometimes being the Santa is the one who delivers the gifts. That's the one who's Santa, the deliverer of gifts. And um, but but coming back and all the all the legends and the stories, you know, surrounding like that song and, and other songs um, uh, about Saint Nicholas. In fact, even you've you've probably heard the "Here Come Santa Claus," "Here Come Santa Claus." You know, you can't go into the stores without hearing these songs. Uh, i I found the original music to it. Never, never, you know, you hear it in the songs and you get the chorus and so forth. But um, there's some interesting verses to this here. He doesn't care if you're rich or poor, for he loves you just the same. Santa knows that we're God's children, that makes everything right. Fill your hearts with Christmas cheer, because Santa Claus comes tonight. Or this verse was interesting. He'll come round when the chimes ring out, then it's Christmas morn again peace on earth will come to all if we just follow the light this is interesting let's give thanks to the lord above because santa claus comes tonight interesting i don't think those verses i hear in the store anymore but that comes back to the old original of the song and and so you you've got this legend of Santa Claus and this all this about believe, and he's presented as a godlike figure in attributes. He's not treated a god or called a god, but his attributes are godlike attributes. And I think we need to be careful with that, acknowledging that it's that it's fantasy, it's fanciful. And the whole idea of believe, believe, I've probably told you before that in my office. When, when I took it over from my dad, my mom decorated it before. You now my mom's here. And she had this little plaque she got, you know, at a Christmas store, and it said, Believe. And she had it hanging there. And it always bugged me. It always bugged me. This plaque said, Believe. And I told, took it down and I told her, until you modify this to say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't hang in my office. Because belief is more than just this idea of, of how sometimes it's defined. It's about believing In the reality of the true God. And so, one of my cautions regarding the whole aspect of Santa Claus is about this idea of believe, believe. And if you look on the inside of this card, um, believe, may the magic of Christmas bring you happiness to last through the year. Do you see again a message that's tied to the gospel? but yet the gospel's not there. What truly brings peace and joy in our lives is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, resting, trusting in him. It's unending, it passes understanding. And so we need to be careful about believing in a mythical figure who supposedly is one who can bring magic and peace and happiness to our lives, Several years ago, I used to work in um, e-commerce, and we sold stuff, and as we had a showroom, and we had a home theater built into that showroom, you know, with state-of-the-art projection and surround sound, and it was, it was just great. And I got the job at a Christmas retail party to be the demo guy in the theater, and the demo clip we used was from the movie The Polar Express. I'm tempted to ask for a raise of hands of how many of you have seen this, but I won't. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting movie, and it's about a little boy who doesn't believe in Santa Claus anymore, and it's very disappointing to different people in his life. And the story centers around the idea of a bell, a Christmas bell, and if, if you ring the bell and you can hear the bell ringing, then you believe in Santa Claus. But if you can't hear the bells ring, then you're an unbeliever. Well, this little boy in this story, he is an unbeliever, and so when the Christmas bells ring, he can't hear them. And so one night, he gets picked up by the Polar Express, a magical train that takes him to the North Pole, and he actually gets to see Santa Claus. Now, um, I am intrigued by this, because if you look here on this, on this and we zoom in here on this cover artwork, you see it? This holiday season, believe. And it's about believing in Santa Claus. Okay. I've debated about showing you a clip, but I think I want to show you a clip of this little boy who has ridden the Polar Express to the North Pole, and he's there, and he's finally getting a glimpse of Santa Claus. Do we have audio up? Carp is comin' to town that you said. It's a great story, but tell me, is that what belief is according to the Bible? No. And that's why it troubles me, and why as much as I love some of the fantasy, cultural traditions of Santa Claus, we have to be very careful to distinguish the fantasy of it from what is real and true because see the miracle of christmas is true and it's not this i believe i believe because i know it's not true but i believe is not what it is about and that's not how true faith comes about So when we think of Santa Claus and the whole tradition and everything about believe, believe in Santa Claus, I think we need to be careful of it. Because the miracle of Christmas is Jesus. And by the way, it is a miracle. And if you think about some of the events that surround his birth, it's unbelievable. But yet it's all true. It's all true. Jesus born of a virgin. That's not possible. But it happened. And we can believe it. Truly believe it. Angels, you know they exist. Real true angels exist. I mean, not like elves. Real angels exist. Elves don't exist. They exist. They actually appeared that night to the shepherds. An angel actually appeared to Mary and told her of the baby she would conceive. That star, that glorious star that shone in the heavens, it was real. And there's none of this... I know it's not true, I know it's a fairy tale, and yet I believe, I believe, I think I believe. No. The history of Christmas is just that, it's, it's history. And what's amazing about it, too, is not only, well, we have to be careful with many of the, the, the fairy tales that have arisen around the Christmas story because the reason why we need to be so careful with them uh, is because we actually have a reliable record about that first Christmas. We don't have that about St. Nicholas. I kind of wish we did. It'd be kind of neat to know actually really about the real guy and a reliable record. We don't have it. But, but, but on this event, this night, the birth of Jesus, it's not a myth. It's, it's not a legend that's been twisted and exaggerated through history. It's been recorded by the, the God himself who was inspired writers to record the history, and we today can open our Bibles and read the true account of Christmas. We have a reliable record to believe. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans. Romans chapter 10 teaches us a little bit about faith about what it means to believe. So much of the messaging you might hear if you go into the stores or see the decorations is believe in the magic or the spirit of Christmas, believe in Santa Claus. This is how happiness, this is how magic of joy comes. No, 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 actually that's not true. The true hope, joy, and peace that comes comes only through that baby boy born in Bethlehem who grew up and lived a perfect and sinless life. And part of the part that's parallel to St. Nicholas and even somewhat to the modern-day Santa Claus is the idea of gift-giving. On this day was the greatest gift given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Next Sunday morning, in the morning service, I'm going to do a chalk talk, and the theme of the chalk talk is just on that verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, that's all of us, that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The declaration of John three sixteen is totally, radically different than anything connected to Santa Claus. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Have everlasting life. In Romans chapter 10, um, well, let me finish real quick for summary. I can't, I can't miss this part. The little baby that was born in Bethlehem lived the perfect and sinless life. He never committed a single sin. And then he died. But he didn't just die because people hated him. He died as a sacrifice so that our sins could be washed away through his blood. He died on the cross, shedding his blood so that your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole world could be forgiven. And what happened three days later? Another miracle. He rose again. He, the prince of life, took life again. And he rose from the dead. And he still lives today. And uh, the little song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, is a little bit of a twisting takeoff of the fact that Jesus also, I shouldn't say also, Jesus truly has promised to come again. And that's not just something of, oh, I believe, I believe, I believe it is. I can believe He is coming again, just as he was born in Bethlehem. That's faith. So faith, where does it come from? Look here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, "'That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, "'and shalt believe in thine heart "'that God hath raised him, Jesus, from the dead, "'thou shalt be saved. "'For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, "'and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation.'" belief is important. Confession is important. And you might say, well, that's what that little boy did. No, no, no. The main reason, and parents, help me out with this and follow-up with your children, that I hesitated in showing you that clip is I didn't want you to get a false idea of what it means to believe. That wasn't an illustration of what it means to believe. Here is where we find out what true belief is in this relation. For here, it tells us in... Um, Verse 11, for the Scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Notice the word Scripture. We have a reliable record that declares to us not only the history of Jesus, but also what he brings and what he's all about in hope. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is over all, is rich unto all that call upon him. We don't have time to preach, John, Romans chapter 10, but that's, that's fascinating here. It doesn't, you don't have to be some select Jew or of a particular race. It's all people, everywhere. He is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now look at verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? You see, in order to call upon Him, you have to believe on Him. And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? Moms and dads, are we teaching our children the true history of Jesus that our children can hear of him, to believe on him and to call upon him for salvation? And look at the end of verse 14. And how shall they hear without a preacher? I don't want to preach Santa Claus. I mean, my kids know about Santa Claus, right? And they know the silliness of the story. And, and it's a silly, fun story. But I don't preach Santa Claus. But I preach Jesus. Jesus is real and the hope of salvation. And I pray that my children will hear of him, that they will believe on him, and that they will call upon him and be truly saved and receive everlasting life. And how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Let's have beautiful feet. We hang our stockings. Are we the sharers of the gospel? Are we proclaiming Jesus the true miracle of Christmas so I exhort you do what you will to some degree with st. Nicholas or Santa Claus but be careful and beware lest you confuse your children In what it means to believe, and the difference between miraculous, true miraculous, and fantasy. Our children need to be taught from the very youngest of ages the difference. Because many trip and stumble over the scriptures because they view them as no different than the fanciful myths. Of Santa Claus. Let's not go down that path, but let us be preachers of the gospel, preachers of Jesus, preachers of the Word of God. For it tells us here in verse 16 but they have not all obeyed the gospel. There are some who do not obey the good news, the gospel. For saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So let us be the preachers of the word of God and distinguishing between the holy and the profane, now, i got to be careful with those words because we think of profane as just a uh, abhorred. The real meaning of those two words in the context I just used it is holy, meaning set apart, special, and profane being commonplace and not holy, not special. And sometimes we take and lift fantasies into a special category and place. And we got to be careful that it's not this special, that we don't make it holy because what we do have in God's word is holy and special and we need to proclaim it. Do you hear me? Thank you for your patience in listening to me. I encourage you to read through this. I I um I'm glad somebody else put it together because if there's something you don't like about it, well you can blame him not me. <laughs> but yet it's an interesting interesting thing that's thought provoking. You know, he might carry things to an extreme. But give it a consideration. Give it a consideration as you take and look at our culture and what messages we send to our children and how we teach them. Because we do have a miracle in Christmas. And that miracle is the baby boy, the God, man, the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you that as we pray to you now, you hear us, for you are real, you are true, you are faithful, you are omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent right here in our midst as well as in churches and everywhere, everywhere around the world right now. And though thousands or even millions of people are praying to you at this very time, you hear them just as if they were the only ones. You hear me just as if I was the only one. I give thanks that my faith in you is not some conjured up fantasy, but that you are real and true that we can rest in you, trust in you, and what you've done, what you are doing, and what you have promised to do. We especially, at this time, as we remember your first coming at Christmas, we look forward to your second coming. And we pray, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Even so, come quickly. We long to see you. May you be glorified in our lives as we occupy, as we faithfully serve you and be witnesses of you till you come, till you call us home. We praise you now and worship you, for you alone are worthy of honor, glory, and praise. You are the one we worship. And so we give ourselves now to you as we pray in your name. Amen.